Hey guys, how's it going? Scott Devine here, back with another episode of the SBL podcast. And this week, we've got the awesome Cameron Dawson with us, who's an up-and-coming bass player from over here in the UK. He lives in Brighton, which is on the south coast of the UK. Great place to visit, guys, if you haven't already. If you're not from the UK and you haven't checked out Brighton and you're thinking about coming to the UK, it's a great place to go hang out. Really arty, just good vibe there. Anyway... Before uh, enough love about Brighton. Anyway, in this podcast, we found out find out all about Cameron's gig with the critically acclaimed Mama's Gun, including how he passed the audition and what it was like putting his own stamp on things while taking over the bass chair from the great Rex Haran. Cameron was still studying for his music degree when he got the gig, and he's a great example, guys, of someone who's managed to successfully balance his professional and academic life. We're going to find out about his Skype lessons with Sheree Reed. Oh, check out Sheree Reed if you haven't already, guys. Woo! In fact, we've got a interview with him somewhere, somewhere on the site. Anyway, and Cameron's also going to tell us about his stash of bass collection power bases, which he's modded with some Aguilar pickups, okay? So it's going to be a great, great interview. I really enjoyed listening to it. I think you're going to enjoy listening to it too. So without further ado, over to Nick our resident podcast ear or podcast interviewer in SBL. Actually, Nick does a ton of other stuff as well. He does a lot of writing for us. And he's a super... I need to get him on some videos, actually. Nick, if you're listening to this, I'm going to get you on some videos. Anyway, over to Nick and the this great interview with Cameron Dawson. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the SBL podcast. Today, we are with Cameron Dawson from the band Mama's Gun, um, amongst oh. other things. Um, Mama's Gun, how long have you been with those guys, Cam? Two or three years now? About four years. Four years, is it? No, it's totally just slipping, slipping past. Yeah. But yeah, but Mama's quite Gun, a while. Really, really cool sort of um, soul, jazz, funk kind of vibe, would you say? Yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of in the pop realm as well. But um, yeah, totally. That really kind of came out with um, the album Roots to Riches, was it? 2010, yeah. was it? 2010, 2011, something like that? I think it was, yeah, t- 2009, 2010 kind okay. of time. Yeah, and you wow. you joined at the stage where third album came out. Oh yeah, on the third record. That's Cheap it. Yeah. Hotel, right? Cheap Hotel. That's the one. Awesome album. Um, tell us about that. How did you get involved with the band? So I um I studied at at BIM in Brighton originally, and around the time you know towards the end of my my first year, we have these sort of end of term gigs, um, where students get up to perform you have to audition for them and you know students get up to perform at some of the kind of great venues of brighton and uh i was just working so hard that first year of uni i was just playing with you know big piece of advice play with everyone never say no um and i just kept being on stage because it's kind of one song different ensemble right not too many bass players at the time um so i was just constantly constantly on stage and one of the teachers uh, was Terry Lewis, guitar guitar teacher from Mama's Gun, um, saw me and was kind of asking, why is this guy constantly on stage? And, you know, at the time they were looking for a new bass player. So over the summer, I'd actually just left um, this kind of epic fusion prog 20-minute song band. And uh, I was kind of looking for something new at the same time anyway. And uh, I got a message from Terry saying, do you fancy coming down to try out for Mama's Gun? Well, I'd, I'd kind of heard talks about, but I hadn't, hadn't really heard too much of, of what they did. And I watched their live video and I saw Rex Horan. Um, you know Rex Horan? Rex, yeah, I know Rex. He's a great yeah. bass player. Um, now, I'm Neil a big Cowley fan. Trio. That's it. So I, I was, I'm a uh, really big fan of the, uh, the Neil Cowley trio. And 
I saw him in the band. I was like, right, you want me to try out to replace Rex Horan? Cool. I was like, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, big shoes. To <laughs> not going to happen. But again, you know, say yes to everything. So I went down, um, sort of hung out, played played about sort of four or five tunes. And I was like, you know, cool experience. I've, I've been Mama's Gun's bass player for half an hour. That's, that's a good thing. And then uh, got the train home. About a week later, I got a phone call. Can you come back and have another another sort of play with us? So I did. And yeah, I got the gig, which was great. Kind of just before, um, well, sort of halfway through work on the third album, actually, because they'd already been working on it for a little while. Um, but yeah, really, really, really lucky, lucky dude to, to kind of have that gig. How much prep work did you do for that audition? Because obviously you want to kind of check out yeah. what Rex has been doing but you want to bring what you, you do to the table at the same time, right? Absolutely, um, which is a lot of what I spent my time doing, you know, not exactly learning all of Rex's lines, trying to pick out the key parts as, as, as well as I can where, you know, you, you can hear a bit of link up between, between the kit and, and the bass and obviously the main kind of grooves. But, um, yeah, I was really, really trying to, trying to put myself into it. You know, and that was one of the main things that got me the gig. I certainly wasn't the most technically, um, you know, the most technically gifted bass player on, on the auditions. You know, there was a lot of guys on it. I, I was 20 at the time. And there were some real, real great, great bass players. But the the feedback I got was that I made the guys play differently. And that's, um, that's what got me the gig, effectively. You know, and there was definitely a, a, an energy change in the room after the first song we played. We were all a little bit sweaty, kind of, wow, that was, that was fun. You know, it wasn't like, okay, cool, mess some bits up. You know, it was just, it was just good. It felt great. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what got me the gig, for sure. And what's happened since then? You went straight into recording albums, is that right? Yeah, and, and some gigs. You know, my first show with them was at the Jazz Cafe, sold out Jazz Cafe in London, um, which was pretty terrifying at the time. Yeah, I bet. Uh, first gig you know and, and these guys have been going for five years at the time so it's you know it's kind of scary when you're you're the new guy the young dude that's uh, that's replacing such a key figure in a band yeah. you know his, his on stage performance was so uh, so so upfront and so kind of amazing you know um so that, that they needed someone um that could kind of fill the shoes and it was it was scary you know um a, a whole kind of fan base it's quite a strong fan base with mama's gun it's, yeah. it's not huge but it's it's very you know very intense for sure um but yeah no it was, it was really really great really great show and then um from there moved on to to asia checked out korea for the first time south korea i went right. to india yeah. Right? yeah so asia asia is um is a, is a big part of our our fan base um because before i joined the band off off that album roots to riches there was a single um house on a hill which went to number one in Japan. So from there, they kind of checked out a bit more of Asia and I got to just kind of jump straight into that. Um, so that was my first kind of really big show was in Korea at Pentaport Festival, um, which I just kind of couldn't believe what was happening really, you know, still at uni, but um, but checking out these amazing countries, meeting all these people and uh, getting to kind of hang on some big stages and, you know. And have um, you been able to work it around? finishing the uni course and your studies yeah I, I i just worked really really hard um really hard so i finished uni two years or three years ago now i've been back there for a year now so yeah three years ago i finished uh, the degree 
and I was recording the record actually at the same time. So I was gigging with other bands too. So I just absolutely did everything I could to, to kind of make it all work. And it that, that just about, just about did it. Yeah, for sure. Were you ever tempted not to finish, not to go back to, to study? I mean, that happens I, a lot. I was, yeah, I absolutely was. Uh, I was kind of like, you know, it's a music course and I, I didn't go to get a degree originally. I did, didn't go to, to have a piece of paper that says I have a degree in you know, a bachelor's in, in arts. I went to to meet some people, um, learn from some, from some incredible bass players and, and just play and, and live in a different city for a while. So when I was kind of already doing it, uh, by the time I got to my third year, I was like, I'm kind of doing this, which is, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, sh- should I carry on just to get the piece of paper? Then my girlfriend sort of said, you know, my parents as well, they were just like, you know, you might as well finish it. I was like, all right, all right. So I just missioned it. Um, yeah and got it done eventually with with a lot of support from my uh, my close friends and family yeah for sure good work man that's good i think it's sure. worth doing isn't it worth getting it, it is yeah absolutely absolutely i mean you know looking back on it i'm like of course of course i had to finish it but at the time i was like no nah, it's cool i'm kind of i'm kind of already going it's all good um but that was naive and luckily i saw through that and and, and cracked on you know how would you sort of describe the difference between the sort of structured learning you got at the um, through the course and yeah. the sort of stuff you learn behind the scenes while you're playing with the, meeting all these guys. Which I mean, the two things kind of important to you. Do you think? I think I think they coincide in 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 different areas. I mean, it's definitely important to just just crack on. You know, I was playing out of uni constantly, and um, that was something very very important to me that that I wasn't. Like, okay, I'm going to go to this university, stay in this hub for three years and then try and be a musician. That's to me, well, certainly from, yeah, from my perspective, that's not something that's, that's particularly um, easy. To, you know, it's not particularly easy to get into the music industry with that kind of fashion. So I was constantly gigging and recording and, and meeting people outside of uni. Having said that, the, um, the tools I learned from BIM in terms of having five different bass tutors with five different perspectives on on different modules was was really really invaluable really invaluable to have um those different perspectives on 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 bass playing on music uh, on being a good person you know really these are all kind of life lessons um so that was definitely important and 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 meeting people you know i still work with a lot of people i met at, at uni you know, so there was obviously a, a lot of the technical aspects and, and the theoretical aspects. My, my theory wasn't wasn't particularly killing when I got to BIM. Probably not particularly killing now, but um, but it's certainly miles and miles better. Um, so a lot of work out of BIM or out of out of the the university, the the, the music studying thing, but also there was a lot coming from there too, you know? So, so for me, they kind of coincide. I kind of find it quite difficult to separate them because they were both so helpful, obviously going into the, into the business, um, straight out of uni, I've learned a lot since, you know, on getting out on the road on, on, uh, on doing different recording sessions, working with different producers. I've learned a lot about, uh, about being a helpful musician and about, uh, being a bass player. There's, there's definitely a thing, uh, you know, if you study, you study bass and, and you're into the, the, uh, the uber technical aspect of the instrument, which is very engaging and very interesting. Um, it, but it's not necessarily always the thing a producer wants, you know. Sure. Um, so that was a big lesson for me because I was getting into it. I was getting into the, uh, 
you know, I was getting really excited about the technical side of playing. And I still am, of course, you know, um, you should never be limited on your instrument at all. But there's definitely a certain degree of we're bass players and we need to to understand our role and, and when we're stepping on other people's toes um, musically. So that was a big lesson for me going to into studio sessions. I mean, like, cool, I can do this. They'll be like, that's great. You can do that. <laughs> can you not? Though? <laughs> can you just play this? I'll be like, ah, oh, really? All right. And, you know, it seems really obvious, but, sure. but sometimes you need to be taught that, you know. Um, so luckily I got that kind of kicked out of me at quite, quite an early age. But, um, but not to say that you shouldn't be creative in a studio environment. It's just having a respect for, um, for, for your role in an ensemble, depending on what the ensemble is, depending on the genre, depending on how many people are in the ensemble, you know, either tracking it or, or playing it live. Um, so, yeah, quite an important lesson for sure. Let's talk about some of the other projects you're involved with. What else have you got going on outside of Mama's Gun? I know you're a busy guy. Um, I play in a a kind of contemporary jazz uh, instrumental project called Vels Trio, um, V-E-L-S Trio. Um, we kind of got to call it jazz because it's, it's the easiest way to... to I was going to say, it's a bit more in this kind of modern kind of... Yeah, jazz, we personally between the three of us we don't call it jazz right, um, sure. but you know if in the for the sake of, of of things needing to be a little bit boxed in sometimes yeah, when you're looking yeah. at promoting them uh you know it's instrumental music and it's, it's instrumental music that isn't particularly dance based or even that electronic base we like to replicate some electronic sounds but um right i sure you know, i saw a video of you using a really cool some really cool effects oh cool yeah sure yeah, so that's that's kind of my my role in it. Is I um, we we kind of like to go for it. Um, certainly, you know, we're 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 keys keys bass drums classic instrumental kind of trio, and the two guys either side of me, J- uh, Jack Stevenson Oliver on the keys and and Dougal Taylor on the drums, they really like to kind of go for it. You know, all over the all over it. You know, they both studied um, a jazz degree and they're, they're they're really into into playing jazz. So they've kind of um, they really go quite far in, into the technicality sometimes mm-hmm. which is amazing um but fundamentally i feel i, I need to be a rock sometimes yeah uh, an anchor so so sometimes i really kind of chill sometimes i join them if, if, it, if it's the time but um you kind of need a focal point at least each time to kind of keep things anchored so, so that's kind of my role as well as as, as doing effective things so i like to use um i have two octave pedals i have a, a micro pog for high octave stuff and the uh, OC2, amazing pedal uh, for for the sub and and lower octave stuff. Um, so the the micro pog I um, I don't use on its own because um, it's a little bit of a strange sound when you just have the high octave on on a bass, you know. So I kind of soak it in some some delay and uh, maybe some wah or some some phase that kind of stuff to really make it not sound like a bass sometimes because um, we like to kind of challenge the uh, the, the roles a little bit sometimes so our keyboardist has has a moog that he sets into a nice bass sound so when he's doing that i'll do some chordal stuff um with the higher octave and and, and the uh, the delay and phase um but i also like to make the grizzly low synthy sounds too so i'll whack the oc2 on i've got a fuzz um the earthquake devices cloven hoof fuzz which i use and yeah two delay pedals so i use a um the analog MXR 
Carbon Copy, that's the one I use for those um, for, for the kind of nice analog sounds. And I've got a, a Boss DD3 for really jagged, rhythmic, um, delay, kind of choppy stuff. Um, yeah. And a bit older as well. How much Sorry. time have you spent figuring out those pedals? I mean, it's... A lot of time. I mean, it's, some people think, well, I, I often thought in the past, it's a case of buying a pedal, stamping the switch, and away you go. But there's actually a lot more to it than that, isn't there? Into, I mean, sometimes it is, you know. Sure. I, th- I think sometimes it is. You're right. You know, it's like this thing does this and it does it really well. Stamp on it, turn it up, turn it down. It, it, it does that. And then certain other things, um, yeah, you need to you need to get into a little bit more, uh, you know, an instrumental, instrument specific kind of way. You know, the bass is, is quite a difficult one with effects sometimes. You know, you've got to think about your, your low pass or, um, or just kind of the, the timbre of the instrument. Um, so that kind of factors into it. Not, not all of, I mean, actually pretty much none of those pedals are bass specific that I use. So, so you kind of need to get into that a little bit more, but, um, combinations of what really do it for me, you know, really getting into it. And I've got a day off and I'm doing some practice. I'll set the pedals up and, um, either try and make a bit of a, a soundscape or make some grooves with, with some kind of fatter sounds and, and, um, see where it goes really. And then, and then bring them into an ensemble, um, area and and see if they work they don't always work some of the sounds i make you know they sound really great on their own when i'm kind of at home um making a bit of a soundscape but don't always sound great with other people so um yeah i really kind of try and listen out for those those kind of things um but I have, they're quite simple those pedals i haven't really got anything with more than about three three or four controls because some of the uh, you know the epic kind of Strymon ones which are amazing um, that do a lot on their own you know they make about six seven different sounds um which you know impeccable but I'm, I'm kind of more about combinations certainly right now at this stage in my my development you know um different combinations of of those pedals and seeing seeing what they make together for sure what else do you work on i mean the busy busier you get the harder it must be to find time to practice um, do you still practice a lot or do you just have kind of organize? I, sh- I should practice more. You know, I, I, I do. I play absolutely every day. Every day I'm playing, whether I'm, I'm teaching um, or I'm gigging, recording or rehearsing. I'm playing constantly or just kind of hanging out. I like to just play. But um, practice wise, I, I, I'm definitely, definitely working on it at times. Sometimes I have more time and I, and I feel really, really inspired to kind of get into some new stuff. And, and recently I've had a bit of a... Um, I've been on a bit of a journey of, of having some some lessons again. I'm a teacher, but um, but I, I don't feel like I've I've I've, st- I've like I've stopped having the urge to learn from people, you know. So I, I hooked up with um, with Sheree Reed. Do you know Sheree Reed? Yeah, sure. Um, recently, so uh, the Vels trio, the guys I was just talking about, we did a we did a gig with Corey Henry and the Funk Apostles. Wow, what was that like? Halloween. It was amazing. You know, they're amazing guys. You know, killer players. Such an incredible set. Um, and Sheree was on the gig and I've been into Sheree since that, you know, that classic gospel video of him in yeah, church, yeah, yeah. big red, the bass, and he's just absolutely slaying it. Yeah, it? Yeah. Um, I saw that when I was about 15, 16, I'd, I'd never heard a bass played like that at all. So, um, so when I got to share a stage with him, I was like, this is really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I sort of, we were talking about teaching and he said he does Skype lessons. So I was like, that's interesting about, six months later i was like 
I'm going to get in touch and sort one of those out. And, and I did. And um, he really, we just talked about concepts. We didn't really go into too much uh, specific, too many specific harmonic ideas or, or kind of technical ideas, really just, just concepts. You know, I'd ask him questions like, you're on stage, drummer's in, play a bass line, what comes to your head? You know, those kind of things. Or, or, or how do you approach a solo? You know, just, just, just concepts that I can kind of pick at for, for the rest of my, my, my career, you know, um, in different ways. You know, so I kind of know his interpretation and my interpretation of his words and, and these things, you know, is, is kind of what I wanted to get out of it, really. Um, so, yeah, I've been on a little bit more of a journey, a bit more of an exp uh, exploration, but I find myself getting tired sometimes of, you know, do you get tired of what you play sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Your vocabulary gets a little bit limited you can feel it. And, you know, it's really good to be in tune with yourself and those kind of things. Yeah. Like, oh man, I played that last night. Absolutely. You, you end up falling into the same pattern sometimes. Exactly. Um, so, you know, when I feel that, that feeling starts to, to, to arise, I really need to get back and, and do some, some practice, do some learning, some transcribing, or just set a beat up. It's something I've been really into at the moment. Um, where you just just set up a drum machine set it to a tempo make the groove yourself and then just play change the swing let it go and then just, just see what naturally happens but, but I, I try and hear that groove in in my head first rather than just let my fingers go because obviously well a, a lot of the time that sort of tends to go into the muscle memory sure. kind of area so um I try and hear something in my brain and and listen to to the subdivisions that I've kind of made so if I've got a little bit of a 16th note offbeat thing happening on, on some percussion i'll try and kind of reference that within the groove or, or kind of build it up that's always a fun thing to do as well if you build it up from the kick so start with just the kick fundamentally um linking with that getting as close to it as possible and then feeding those subdivisions more and, and adding a bit more in you know is is, is something quite interesting I've, I've found recently to to get me into some improv um like i'm doing a full improv set tonight in uh in london uh at this this bar in dalston with some friends these are the kind of things that, that i use you know it's kind of why i asked asked Sheree these kind of questions about um improvisation but it's definitely something i'm very interested in and i always have been it's how i learned to play was originally by improvising with people that are a lot a lot better than me when i was sort of 16 17 years old i just go to jams um, just with friends, you know, not, not exactly jams in bars, just, just a lot of my friends were, were very musically, you know, it was a very musical thing from where I'm originally from in Canterbury. So we just meet up and just hang and play all night, you know. Um, so that's kind of how I learned to play and how I really got a, a, a taste of, of, of playing the bass, you know, and, and being that, that rock in a certain situation. Um, so yeah, improvisation is very important to me, and it's it's kind of the main thing I focus on a lot of the time, I suppose. You know, how about your gear? I mean, sometimes you find if you do find yourself falling into those traps of perhaps repeating or patterns you've played before, or just mm -hmm. needed an, another spark. Do you find yeah, yeah. up a different bass sometimes can can do that job for you? One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, and I've. I kind of keep it to to P bases and I was J bases. Say I can see really uh, I'll, I'll say in a sec, but um, yeah, I kind of keep it keep it to P's and J's. I'm right. quite, I like I like the simplicity of those instruments. You know, I've I've recently acquired um, a Marcus Miller Sire uh, Swampash, thanks yeah. to the V V7 that, um, yeah. that a friend uh, recently donated to me because um, he's kind of stopped playing bass, and um, 
said, you know, he's, he's kind of a mama's gun fan. He said, I've got these two bases. I don't need them. Do you want one? I was like, yeah. Wow. So, so I took on the, the Sire and I've been playing it a lot, you know, because originally I looked at that board, saw about seven controls, you know, if you, yeah, if you count sure. the stacked, stacked uh, pots. I was like, man, that's, that's a monster. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do with that. And then obviously once you get into it and you understand it's actually quite a simple board. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of use that for some more, um, you know, back pickup, um, melodic kind of stuff. Um, if, if I'm feeling that kind of direction or some, some slap, if I fancy doing a bit of slap, it's not something I do massively, but, but I do like to slap and, and hang. It's quite a nice thing getting in a, in a motion with slap bass. You know, if you're just kind of hanging out, you've got a groove on and just getting a motion of, of your hands and sitting on something for a while. And, and, you know, I really like that kind of fully physical rhythmic rhythmic element between, um, the, the thumb and the, and the first finger where you're just kind of, um, getting into it. But I'm also really a big fan of the P bass, the Fender P bass or kind of P bass copies. And I love the limitations of, of that instrument and that design. Um, so if I'm kind of feeling something a little bit grittier or a little bit more solely, um, or just really getting into some grooves, then I'll, I'll kind of get the P bass out and, and, and mess with that for a bit. And I've also got, um, a hollow body bass that I kind of do a similar thing on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's a really good point. You know, changing instrument definitely, uh, opens a different part of your psyche doesn't it you know yeah i just think there are certain instruments that you have to play a different way or a certain way that yeah you yeah necessarily do with your regular bass totally i mean people do shred on on p basses you know it's, it's not unheard of but uh, it's not necessarily the instrument for it sometimes you know i mean I, who am i to say that but personally from from my perspective i don't always see that as a as a, uh, a kind of shredding instrument, but sure. but when I get on something kind of active, uh, I'm getting some back pickup action. It definitely brings that side of, of you out, doesn't it? So, yeah, for sure. Let's go back to Mama's Gun. What's uh, cool. happening right now? Uh, we're currently making a new record. Okay. We're doing our best. We're all busy guys, so it's kind of an, an if and when situation at the moment. But we're. We're doing it in a different way. So our last record, Chief Hotel, we um, we spent an awful lot of time writing, you know, a good sort of year of writing, ending up with a good 25, 26, 27 tunes. Um, some stronger than others, some some more groove-based, some a bit more songy. Um, and putting them in all kind of different ways, you know, putting them through different filters of genre or style, um, which was really, really good, but a very long process. Sure. So, so this time we're trying to, um, take it, take it as it comes, be a bit more organic with it. So we, we, we are focusing on three songs, four songs at a time where we get together, go into them and then really try and get a bit of a capture on, on, on a little recording device of, of the organic sound of that. Because, you know, sometimes when you put something through so many different arrangements, one, one idea um, through so many different arrangements, you can end up just coming back to the same one, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, going back to that organic place, you're like, you know what? It just sounded good like that with a couple of tweaks. So this time we're really trying to be a bit more organic with, with, with that. And we're just tracking three songs at a time. So we go in, play them, get into the studio and, and just track, track those three tunes. A couple of months later, start another couple. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the idea of it at the moment. 
how does the songwriting spot? work? Do, do, do the songs come quite quickly, and then it, it seems um, like it's just a case of getting the feel right or getting the vibe right? Yeah, a lot of them, are, or the, the vast majority of them, are written by our singer Andy Platts, yeah. um, who's an impeccable songwriter. You know, so I guess we're all we're all professional musicians. He's one hundred percent a professional songwriter. So he yeah, he works with a lot of artists. He's kind of darting about constantly between Asia, Europe, UK, just um, writing songs for people. And he's just a, an impeccable songwriter. He really, really is. Um, I mean, he's been doing it a very long time, and he, he's been doing it a lot in in that that period but um yeah a lot of his stuff it's just like man that's just so rocking how can we not put that on an album yeah um but but we're definitely um quite collaborative in other other areas of, of songwriting for sure but you know we're, we're kind of with this idea of of being more relaxed and just kind of putting songs down um comes us not not being too worried about if we all wrote them or if we all contributed to, to the, the 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 base you know we all contribute to the arrangement obviously but but the uh the core idea of a song um we're not we're not too bothered about about if it just comes from one person and we just want to play it and make it sound good and, and feel good you know do you feel yeah. like now this is the second album you would have been involved in that yeah you feel like the bass gig is more of your own having mm. been in the band a bit longer yeah um yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I've I've met Rex so many times now. We, we every time we meet we we meet up maybe twice a year. Um and we just talk bass and music for a good hour. You know, we'll be at a social occasion uh with a big group of us, you know, we have a bit of a mama's gun family, so we meet up about twice a year. And Rex and I will always sort of separate for about an hour and get into music, you know. So I've I've had his blessing for a very long time. Um uh, which has allowed me to really put my stamp on it, and we're, we're different players. Absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely learned a lot from from his his approach in transcribing, um, yeah, his lines and some of his fills. You know, when we've looked at um, at some live arrangements that I've got to learn. Sometimes I looked at some of his fills and that kind of stuff. It's been like, okay, cool. That's your psyche. That's your approach to to bass. Um, but in that, you know, I've definitely taken some of his language into myself. Um, so that's still there. But I, I'm. Yeah, as I said before, we're definitely we come at the bass from from slightly different places. Um, so I think that should that should come across in the music. I definitely feel like I own my my role in the band a lot more than I used to. Absolutely. Before we go, man, can you yeah. just talk us through a couple of those bases? Do you have any, absolutely go to bass there that we can just have a quick look at? I'm just going to grab this guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm um, I'm with Bass Collection. This isn't a Bass Collection bass, but I'm. Um, I've been with with Bass Collection, the uh, the, the bases of of the original Bass Center. Sure. Um, so there was a shop called the Bass Center, as you know, yeah, um, yeah. in London. Yeah, it was the first um, you know bass specific shop, music shop in the world. And uh, the, the, sadly, it's not there anymore. But but Barry Morehouse, who's who's been running it, a very important guy in the bass community, makes these these really nice bases. I'll show you one in a minute. Um, kind of in the style of of sixties uh, Fenders, you know jazzes and, and uh and precisions and they're really nice they're light and they're very very cheap um which you know that, that shouldn't be a testament to their their you know how great they are as bases but but they are very cheap so great for for people that really you know maybe yeah like maybe haven't don't play jazz bases but fancy trying one out sure likewise a peas um or you know are on a bit of a budget and just just fancy a new instrument they're you know i can't really recommend them enough i think they're awesome um but this guy is 
my kind of Frankenstein P bass. Oh yeah. So it's a 1978, 77 neck on a, on an ash body. Yeah. Um, with, I can't remember what the pickups are, you know, but, um, I, I bought this bass from a shop in Brighton. I just love the look of it. I love the feel of the seventies neck. Um, it's a very heavy bass, you know, both, both figuratively and literally <laughs> very heavy bass. Um, and I liked the back pickup on it as well. That was cool. Um, so I bought it and I, this is my recording bass. I don't really take this anywhere. I, I, I gig with it a little bit, but it's, it's my baby. So I pretty much just use it for recording and, and home playing. But right. you know, it's, it's the one where I get a lot of producers being like, you need to give me that bass. You know, it's got a lot of, a lot of mojo, a lot of, a lot sure. of, a uh, lot of vibe to it. Um, so this is kind of my special, special bass. Um, but I'll show you, I'll show you a couple of the bass collection ones. Hang on, let me get this P. Yeah, one sure, go for it. Cool. So this is, this is my newest acquisition. From, from the bass collection family, another bass, um, modeled on the uh, Entwistle Frankenstein bass. Okay. So there's the logo uh, with a with a maple maple neck. And have you put the Aguilar pickups in there? I have, you noticed, yeah. yeah. Let's say I've put some, some Aguilar Hot P pickups in it. Okay. Uh, so I'll talk about Aguilar in a second, but I'm a really big fan of what those guys do. So this is my, my kind of travel, travel P bass. Right. That, you know, uh, I fly a lot with, with, with Mama's Gun, and um, I just don't want to take that really nice uh, 70s one. So that, that was one of the main reasons I started working with, with Bass Collection, was like, man, I can fly with these things. Um, they're light, take them everywhere. I can play a sort of hour and a half, nearly two-hour show with them without feeling any back pain. Yeah, They just sound great. Um, and I've been talking to Barry for a while about um, – about merging with Aguilar. And I think a couple of other bass collection players have talked about it before, maybe Jimmy Sims or, right. um, yeah, they've they been talking about merging with Aguilar a bit and it, it kind of hadn't worked out yet. So I said, you know, I guess I'll, I'll try it. So I, I bought the pickups, said to Barry, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll get some in the bass and, um, and yeah, really, really awesome results. I love, I love what Aguilar do. I think they're just awesome. Um, yeah. You want to see any more? That's great, man. That's cool. Yeah. I think it's I'll, really great idea just to upgrade the pickups totally that kind of level of instrument it can make yeah, a really yeah. big difference absolutely i just got a, a great setup as well not that you know barry barry does a great setup sure. but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I i ordered it with flats on originally um because I, I flat wound on quite a lot of my bases so i got a, a a setup and put some some rounds on it to get a bit more of a biting biting sound and it's, yeah it's just great it really sits nicely in a mix i'm into it great man it's a, it's a cool thing to do yeah. All right, Campbell, time to go, man, but thanks ever so much. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. For hanging out today. Really looking yeah, forward yeah, to exactly. checking out the new album. Right, um, yeah. Have cool. you got a release date penciled in? No. <laughs> it's gonna be yet. it's gonna be a little while. Yeah. Uh, end of the year is looking like is, is okay, the idea. Cool. Um yeah, that's it. And what's happening over the summer? Uh, well, BIM BIM is broken up, so I, I teach at the at BIM the college I was talking about earlier. We just finished this week. Um, so I'm just going to head off on the road for a bit with um, Bell's Trio, the trio I was talking about before. Um, we've got a, a little release campaign going, so we're, we're going to hit hit a couple couple of jazz festivals. We're doing mostly jazz. Uh, we're doing Jazz à la Villette in Paris. Um, 
yeah, jazz festivals and, and a lot of great gigs, a little support tour with, with, uh, with a wicked hip hop band called Main Source, and a lot of that. And then heading to Spain with Mama's Gun, doing some some more festivals with Mama's Gun, and just cracking with the recording. Yeah, great man, sounds good. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good summer. Yeah, right on. Busy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Um, nice guys, do check out Mama's Gun and find out what Cam's up to. Um, yeah, some great gigs coming up and great player. And thanks again, man. Awesome. Thanks right. a lot. Cool. Yeah. Hey guys, so thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. A massive shout out to Cameron as well for being such a dude and going and hanging out with Nick and, you know, sharing his journey so far. Um, really, I, th- I just think it was really fascinating how, you know, he got that gig when he was still stood. Like, really, just what a fascinating story. Anyway, guys, I'm going to love you and leave you. I'm on holiday at the minute, actually, with my family and having a ton of fun on the beach actually near Brighton where Cam- where Cameron's from but um yeah and a huge thanks to you guys obviously for checking out this podcast every week it means a huge huge deal to me that you guys are supporting um you know what we're doing here at SBL and our our vision and our journey along the way of creating the uh the biggest online based educational platform in the world and with that in mind if you haven't grabbed your 14-day free trial to the membership at scottsbasslessons.com guys go go check it out it's an amazing place to get your bass playing to the next level if you're a hobbyist bass player or a a semi-professional bass player and you are stuck in a rut or you don't know what to work on next or you're just completely confused and have been sat in the same place in terms of your bass playing for just far too long we have just got uh, some amazing resources to help get you on your way and really help you know so you fully realize how um, how great you can be um, as a bass player and and you're not one of those guys that just you know has, has played bass the same just for so many years I've, I've just you know I've worked with a ton of students that they're just their bass playing just hasn't moved for so long and it's just it's such a shame when I see that happening so go check the, the scottsbasslessons.com out grab your 14-day free trial you'll get instant access to over 25 amazing self-paced courses and we add a brand new course every single month and we have done now for well for a very long time (laughs) and uh, we also do weekly live streams with some of the best bass educators on the planet and you know guys such as uh, Todd Johnson, Steve Lawson, Rufus Philpott, Ariana Cap. the list goes on we've got you you know, like all of the best bass educators in the world are involved in Scots Bass Lessons and teaching for the members. It'd be great if you came along and hung out too. And, uh, and if you do, shoot me a PM in the forums. I'm in there every single day helping all of our members push their bass playing to the next level. And it'd be great to see you in there too. Now, without further ado, I'm going to get back to the holiday. And uh, as always, guys, I'll see you in the shed. Goodbye. Goodbye.